Hello. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> Try take number two. Uh, How long was the uh, file that just got corrupted? We had a 36 minute. Well, it probably was like 34 or something like that. Uh, that was completely unusable because we sounded like robots. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, something weird happened. I don't know. Maybe I'll clip like a... Because I know it's not going to be fully captured the way that it was. Maybe I'll fully uh, clip the Trelawney section and it could be an extra if you want to hear robot mm -hmm. us. You're like, okay, now that <laughs> at the end here... Trelawney. One's <laughs> uh, ready? One's ready. Just go right into it. Just for the sake of our own sanity. Yes, welcome back. We're here. Let's go. <laughs> Turn to page 291. There's nothing else going on. No, we, you know, no, it's not interesting. The Quidditch a final. Mm. Today's lesson is called The Best Defense. A synopsis. The chapter begins with Hermione sharing Hagrid's note that they lost the case against Buckbeak, who is now sentenced to die. Oh. Hermione, Ron, and Harry make up in light of this tragic ruling and start to turn from fighting against each other to helping each other out and fighting against both Malfoy's and Trelawney. Hermione oversleeps charms and after listening to Trelawney make another prediction, excuses herself unceremoniously from divination. In the Quidditch final, Harry concludes that he should aggressively defend Malfoy, and despite Malfoy seeing the snitch first, Harry manages to snag it on his speedy firebolt and win the Quidditch Cup. Oh, boy. For Gryffindor. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, so I annotated the chapter with my thoughts, mm -hmm. and we basically walked through that. <laughs> so Yeah, if it goes a different direction, we'll just let it go. It can go, go in know? a different direction if it wants. Could be short, could be long. This yeah. is Hermione's chapter. Yeah, it I mean, is. it's. I mean, Harry wins, but like, no one cares about that. <laughs> well, you can see that I, there's a quote that I love that like, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. And I feel mm -hmm. like Hermione gives that to herself, like in the midst of like it, she forgives herself for what Crookshanks might have done oh, to Scabbers, yeah. right? And she's like, "I'm so sorry." Oh no! Yeah, like, this is it's at just the a beginning. Sweet scene. They wake or they wake up. They make up. <laughs> it's a very real scene, right? And, it's like, well, because she's overwhelmed. She's yeah, like, she's it's part totally of it. She's stressed, and then she just like, it's time to let go. She's also upset because. I mean, poor Hagrid. He's like, oh, thanks for your help, Hermione. Mm -hmm. And like she tried really hard to help. And it's it's kind of that sort of frustration where it's like, um, you you know that Hermione and Hagrid mm -hmm. should have won this case. But it and this is in part why I hate Lucius so much is right. that I need him to be brought to justice for right. all of the horrible things he's ever done. <laughs> like you need to pay. You can't keep getting away with. Being a person, getting what you want. 24 /7. I was just thinking about how this is like a, a window into my job very frequently of like the emotional well-being of students amidst like high anxiety. Mm. And I think it's really interesting because an important part of understanding why emotional well-being would be important for students. Mm -hmm obviously important for everybody, but for students in particular is like, it's not that we're def trying to eliminate students facing challenges. It's, it has nothing to do with like making school easier or whatever the case might be. It has to do with the absence of acknowledging that school is challenging and hard and, mm -hmm. and comes in amidst, amidst like 
a bunch of other things that can be challenging, like in this scene, Buckbeak, that has nothing really to do with their academics. Right, right. But obviously, like, affects them very mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So I always find that really interesting. And, like, Hermione is the type of person, like Alex Dunphy on Modern Family. Oh, my God. Who would, like, benefit very much from uh, professional uh, intervention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. into like keep doing what you're doing but with these new tools at your yeah. disposal to like process how difficult things are well it, p- part of Hermione is like she has a lot going on like she wants to please a bunch of people yeah. and I think part for for her the baggage of like wanting to belong in the wizarding world is that I mean she might not even see herself as enough and so she's dealing with that mm-hmm. and if if you're not satisfied with yourself and you're like, um, what is the word for it? I don't know what the exact word for it, but so she's like seeking for this external validation from other mm-hmm. people to when ultimately, and of course I, I am not a, a professional in what sort of, any sort of sense, but it seems to me that the way that she is acting is, you know, she, her growth is like coming to terms with who she is as a person, just like all of them, like all of them kind of grapple with this. Um, in, in the sense of their own identities and figuring out like who you are in this large wizarding world. Well, I've oh, I think we both love this about Hermione is that she is a character whose maturation involves caring less about school. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, not often reflected in, it's just like Alex Dumpy. I'm glad that I thought about yeah, her. Yeah. Like one of the only other representations of like, a kid who is uh, unhealthily obsessed with academics yeah, and needs to reprogram, a re, um, orient, uh, orient yeah, mm-hmm. whatever the word might be, a new perspective yeah, uh, that's more healthy yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell in this story, Hermione provides that for herself or mm-hmm. kind of the external challenges of who being friends with Harry and like mm-hmm. dealing with things that are bigger than school uh often or frankly more important than school mm-hmm. gives her that perspective whereas Alex Dumphy seeks it out in that beautiful episode yeah yeah, yeah. that's one of my favorites so uh <laughs> Hermione is she just has a lot going on mm. um Malfoy, well, yeah, Malfoy is just Malfoy taunting away as he does. Uh, we have the classic Ron usually physically goes after Malfoy. Harry's like chasing mm. after. They both are usually uh, the people that confront him, and but they are not fast enough because Hermione has <laughs> this like pent up rage that I mean she's usually the one that is level headed or being like mm-hmm. okay like it's not worth it. But at this point, she like slaps him across the mm-hmm. face. And we're all like, oh, my gosh, Hermione. And she's about to like, I'm imagining her. She's like slap. And then she's just like about to like pounce down again, pulls out her wand. It's a it's a whole thing. Well, I mean, look, what is not relatable for me? I mean, it's super relatable what Hermione goes through and like Mm. reaching a breaking point. Yeah. And somebody who isn't really prone to physical violence Mm -hmm. being somebody who commits physical violence. And seems to escalate a situation in a different way than in the past. 
And why is she doing that? Well, it's a mental health issue. Yeah. And how she is feeling overall is now, and of course, she has pent up anger towards Malfoy, maybe even redirected from a a transference from Lucius and Buckbeak. But also the whole thing of last year, Malfoy was so mean to her. Calling her mudblood. There's that scene in front of the whole school where he's like, you're next, mudblood. And it's like, bro. Jeez. I can't, I mean. Oh my God. I definitely would avoid Draco Malfoy IRL. Yeah, Hogwarts is a little, uh, <laughs> a little hostile. Yeah. Um, One of the, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like the teacher, I mean, you can't blame the teachers because like this is just like real life. Like you can't control every moment of every day. These are just people interacting with each other and sometimes it's just no no but draco is also somebody who would (laughs) benefit from a little assistance professional Um, assistance even though his parents wouldn't allow him to get it but yeah uh i think yeah we talked in the broken episode about lucius and my my Mm. love for and desire to kind of look back and forwards at all the times that Lucius comes back mm-hmm. uh, in comes up in a chapter. How often does Draco also come up in that chapter? And like, how are they sort of positioned uh, in ways that like evoke emotional response? Because I think in this one, like we sense there's such a clear reason why JK Rowling puts the timing of these two things together, right? Like having the Quidditch final and having this mm-hmm. breakdown for Hermione, and then obviously Lucius being involved with Buckbeak. Like it's mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot. And it like what I said before, and we, we talked about how like we we kind of cycle with Draco a little bit, <laughs> is like putting Lucius juxtaposed in the same chapter with Draco always gives me just an inkling more pity and empathy for Draco and like how much he lashes out. Cause mm-hmm. we have to remember he is also a 13 year old. He yeah. is also processing mm-hmm. a lot of things, including knowing that his father is lying in front of the board in order to like get a creature. Uh, but that perspective murdered. is hindsight after, you know, the full story, True. isn't it? Cause like, um, up to this so point it much, seems like he likes it yeah well so much of the construction of Draco uh, and we've talked about this before in previous episodes is tied to the fact that he's a Malfoy mm-hmm. um, or that he's in Slytherin it's like these things that it there's no reason to believe that it doesn't fit the already uh, molded archetype of like who would a child of Lucius Malfoy, who is also a Slytherin, like who would that person be? Agreed. So, um, I, yeah, it's it's hard of like we've talked about perceptions and like or the ways that our these narratives or stories shape things, and it's really hard to break out of. Yeah. Um, well, and it and it's the difference often for me in my mind of the difference of an excuse. Mm-hmm. I'm not excusing Draco's behavior. Yeah, yeah. I am understanding or like um, not an excuse for, but the reason, the cause of, mm-hmm. or, or part of the cause. Because I do think we get some insight in book two as well to like this being actually quite a emotionally and perhaps even physically abusive relationship. Yeah, when Lucy when, is just like brushes him off and and like harry sees them in the under the cloak and all that and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like in madame malcolm's and stuff yeah 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 it's a lot i mean i don't excuse draco i i tend to think like i mean 
look, how complicated is it to deal with the question of like maturity or understanding it and what the relationship between growing up and experimenting and making mistakes and learning is to like uh, excusing behavior that shouldn't be excused, even though a person is 13, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like when does being young stop being an excuse? Mm-hmm. Um, and and sort of how is that... Uh, it's different for different people. Different people will look at Draco as a 13 year old and say, he's just a kid. And other people will be like, doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, it's interesting also because as you are uh, so much of when you're younger, you have um, a lot more first experiences. So part of, I think part of why uh, some people put a lot of um, importance on, education I'll just say Mm -hmm. in early childhood or younger grades is that like because you have I guess more opportunity to grow or like you have Mm -hmm. then if you have like an intervention early on then like that'll impact more years of your life or whatever Mm. um but thinking about uh, it's so messy because I want to say like how has how has it been so he's gotten away with this for so long because I imagine Lucius probably is the same story just based on like the way that he acts and he just thrusts his power around and gets what he wants and does whatever mm-hmm. um but are do the teachers really stop Draco like does he actually get in trouble <laughs> like it doesn't seem like it it seems mm-hmm. that somehow it's he's still enabled to act the way that he does because he doesn't change nothing nothing right. makes him change that's right and so why would he change his behavior because it's kind of like that reinforcing of like oh this is how i act or oh i'm gonna tease potter oh i'm gonna tease weasley now oh i'm gonna like call hermione a mudblood like that's like part of his i don't know it kind of goes back to the thing that i was reading about about like these like early scripts that are formed when you're really young of like who you are, who you should be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is shaped by um, just the people you're around, which mm-hmm. is more often than not other adults. Um, and so like, what are those, what are those values or messagings that get perpetuated? And well, also when, when, because people are individual, like agent of beings, like how those things clash as well of like this scripted story of who you should be versus who you want to be. I think one of the things that drew me to the Harry Potter series in general when I was around this age is that J.K. Rowling writes kids as if they're young adults. Mm-hmm. I don't mean like the classification of young adults, but as if they're just young humans. Yeah. So their mental and emotional processes are almost identical. Mm-hmm. Should, really, I'll just say like identical to what an adult or older human might do in that situation in terms of like, because you can see the mirroring, like how yeah. Lucius lies, mm-hmm. how Draco lies. Mm-hmm. And they get... And they're doing that because they realize the set of circumstances around the lie allow them to perpetrate it as truth Mm -hmm. and say, like, this thing should be killed. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But I think what is also beautiful about these stories is that in the same way that the teachers don't really affect Draco's behavior... They don't affect Harry's behavior either. Yeah. He gets detention all over the place. <laughs> but detention is a superfluous punishment. Yeah. I mean, even like 
you, you can see how it escalates too. And then we, we get to Umbridge who tortures kids instead of yeah, deten- yeah. detentioning them. Like that is also not that effective for right. most kids, right? It actually like increases their resolve mm-hmm. to act the way that they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously there's a lot to unpack there, but I think it's really, it's really important to tell stories about kids that don't frame them as naive. Yeah. Now yeah. They, they might be facing novelty mm-hmm. more frequently than adults mm-hmm. by nature of yeah. being, you know, living longer. Right. But they're not naive in the sense of like unable to cope with mm-hmm. new situations of course they can they do all the time mm-hmm. and they face and the, the problems that they face like hermione draco harry like grappling with this is the same stuff that dumbledore mm-hmm. mcgonagall and snape do right yeah. it's like it's the same yeah yeah uh one of the most powerful i guess uh uh, realizations that I've had related to that was when I started watching the React channel mm. by uh, Fine Brothers, and they, um, because they have different series where it's like kids react to this, mm-hmm. uh, teens react, adults react, elders, elders. react, mm-hmm. and sometimes they do mashup episodes where it's across generations. Mm-hmm. And when you those episodes in particular, you're like, wow, every generation has the range of things that you say, yeah. how you react to something. It's the same piece of media that they're all reacting to. Mm-hmm. And you realize, especially when you when you come to the realization of like, oh, this old person was a little tiny chunk at one point mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. so I don't know. So thinking about people in a very complex way, regardless of how old you are or what your experiences are. We haven't watched that in a little while, but that's a perfect connection Mm -hmm. of like what we're trying, what what we're trying to say here of like, you're not, we both challenge very heavily narratives of youth, like what it means to be young Mm -hmm. when it comes to education and in particular generational stuff. It's like generations are defined by the circumstances, Mm -hmm. but like, it's not necessarily it is not the case that like generations um you know are fully defined by those circumstances yeah and i think your point is well taken there's an episode of uh i think kids react where they're given because we know we all know the sort of prototypical narrative of like giving an an elderly person a new piece of technology and mm-hmm. like having them be befuddled <laughs> and you're probably smiling because you know where I'm going with this because there's an episode where they give kids yeah. young kids iPods not iPhones but old iPods yeah. with physical buttons and it was just music and it wasn't a phone and yeah, all yeah. this and they were likewise like what the heck is this you know <laughs> so yeah. similarly like I think they did rotary phones and stuff yeah, like yeah. that and so of course like we're products of our circumstances and experiences it's mm-hmm. not an interesting joke though it's a joke that is told in the in kind of the sad sense yeah. of like make fun of people mm-hmm. for being a product yeah, of their experiences I, I don't sorry, know sorry I didn't live in the past <laughs> yeah, exactly and, and I won't live in the future <laughs> like I don't know I won't understand right future stuff you know <laughs> the future uh, so after after this um, altercation with Malfoy, they the the our three friends go to Charms class. Mm. 
well, we think that all of them are <laughs> there because what looks like is like, hey, and referring to Harry and Ron being like, we partnered up. Hermione is nowhere to be found, um, which we they find Hermione later, but they end up learning about the cheering charm, mm. which is a charm that makes the target feel elated. So they all left class all happy. Mm-hmm. Um also to note, though, when the charm is overdone, it can cause the victim to be overcome with fits of hysterical laughter. Uh, so cheering charm. Felix Summerby was the inventor of this cheering charm. I already showed you this picture, so maybe <laughs> I'll put it up here for our viewers on YouTube to see. But uh, Felix was the first featured wizard of the month on J.K. Rowling's original website, uh, where she would feature a wizard, a witch or wizard, every single month. Um, this was back in May of 2004. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so th- that's what I found out about the cheering charm. He's also on a chocolate frog card. Uh, but there is a connection back to, oh no, this is forward when they take the OWLs, where Hermione is actually worried that she didn't write enough about the cheering charm in her exam. And it's funny because in this chapter, uh, after they find her in the common room and she's asleep and she's just like, oh, I can't believe I missed it. Mm -hmm. So she went to go talk to Flitwick and uh, she's concerned because she's like, I bet they come up in exams because Flitwick Flitwick, uh, hinted that they might. So it'd be funny if like that connection back to the OWLs that she's stressed because... (laughs) She missed this one class in third year. And you, based on her discussion of Hermione, she pro- that thought probably has crossed her mind um, in the f- for future Hermione. I'm flabbergasted <laughs> by whatever J.K. Rowling's organizational structure yeah. is to be able to... I don't know if she just gets lucky, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. that's too specific it's to, very to specific. feel like that it's luck to me. Yeah. Why cheering? It could have been anything. Right? Yeah. So somehow... She like notated to herself, maybe, she or had told her, her editors like secret wiki. Put, put the yeah, put this list <laughs> together of like things I should call back to. Yeah. Oh, Hermione and the cheering charm. Like well, Hermione is uh-huh. is a uh, you know uncertain about the cheering charm. Therefore, I'm going to put on this test. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, I find it really interesting with this like collective, uh, like the fandom with the wikis, it, because it's not like I would make this connection. It's because. Anytime cheering charm appears, like someone goes into the wiki and they mm. add like a little note. So mm. it's kind of cool with the internet to see those connections be connected because mm. we're like, you have this whole like body of text that you're able to be like, oh, mentionings of this. Let me like. And yeah, now all the games and stuff too. I mean, it makes our, it makes doing this podcast right now yeah, quite a bit fun because we, <laughs> if we get, if we find something to look up on the wiki, we, it usually is like connected to stuff that we don't know about. And we're right, like, oh, right. wow. And we're like, wait, like what? this guy, right? Like yeah, for sure. Charm I'm guy. like, oh, let me just like Felix. scour the internet. And well, it's funny because like, so this image that I found is the website is not there, but like the internet is forever. Like that's literally <laughs> it's, the internet is forever. So it is, it exists on the internet still, even though it's not a live page anymore. <laughs> uh, so after all of this, um, they end up another class session we see is with divination mm. which we had an extensive conversation about in our first recording Put it at the end of this yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh hermione we've mentioned before does not like trelawney yeah at all uh i wrote in my notes that in this class context she is the malfoy in this situation like malfoy is to hagrid hermione is to trelawney 
doesn't care, is really mean, says mm-hmm. mean things, and then mm-hmm. Trelawney goes off on Hermione, mm-hmm. which probably doesn't help given Hermione's state of uh, you know emotion and mind and all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she goes off and calls Hermione's mind hopelessly mundane, and Hermione's like, okay, I don't need this anymore. Um, and then it kind of goes silent, and Lavender's like, oh, you were right. You said around Easter, one of our number, Ugh. the the actual quote is, one of our number will leave us forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of our number will leave us forever. You know, but wasn't that, I, I forgot to go back to the actual chapter. Just a vague enough. Was, Could be about somebody in the class. after she looked at the tea leaves for Harry? Or no, when, it's just like part just of say, the oh, beginning. It was the intro of she the class. She has a bunch of things that oh, she yeah, says. Oh, yeah, because wasn't McGonagall like, oh, yeah, that like a lot there's of always a student who's yes. going to die or like be Let gone me guess, or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like that, but I, I appreciate the specific quote because yeah. one thing we talked about was con artistry and like, how, the the usefulness of being vague. Mm-hmm. One of our number could refer to somebody in the class, could refer to somebody in the school, could refer to like just general somebody is <laughs> connected to somebody who dies or leaves or whatever, and like leaves forever. Does she actually leave forever? She just leaves the class. Like so, the yeah, interpretive yeah. nature. It's why prof- prophecies it's... aren't specific? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the less specific in this type of way. The vagueness, they're not hedging. Yeah. It's vague on purpose. It's not actually an interesting prediction in, you know, in any way. And uh, vagueness is one aspect, but I also feel like this is part of uh, just the the inclination for humans to, as sense makers. Mm. So um, even if you put... If you put two things together and try to make sense of a connection, you're probably mm-hmm. going. I mean, that's kind of like what we talked about with the the grim stuff. Like you see what you want to see. Like if you're if you're mm-hmm. if you're already thinking like, oh, this is what's going to happen to me, and you keep thinking about that, and you're looking for signs, and you're like, see, I'm right. Like this, is, yeah, the confirmation bias of it all. Yeah. Um, and part of it is, I mean, there is a comfort in. Being like, okay, I feel settled. I mean, I I wasn't expecting to talk so much about anxiety, but like this, I feel like this chapter is just filled with it. Yeah, Perhaps it this book entirely. Everyone snaps. Is... Like so many people snap. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it express their anxieties in different ways. Like Hermione snaps, physically abusive, yeah, verbally yeah. abusive. Trelawney snaps. Yeah. Hagrid snaps. Yeah. Harry snaps, you know, in the game, <laughs> all, in the sports we're sense. We're all snapping. It's very interesting. I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. And compared to when we, the broken recording, <laughs> now I'm feeling pity for Trelawney because I'm thinking, I'm trying to embody her a little bit and thinking like, she's an alcoholic. Yeah, I was hardcore she's defending Trelawney in the last one. She has the burden of being born to a lineage of famous Yeah, seers. that much sucks. That she must suck She gets hired by an amazingly famous wizard, Albus Dumbledore, yeah. to do something that she herself and she knows, knows that she... she's a fraud yeah. at. Yeah, yeah. Insofar as like she is unaware that she even made the two main prophecies that we'll know about her making. Mm-hmm. She's unaware. Mm-hmm. So like... All of this, it, it's amazing then to have this sense of like, this is why it's not useful to delineate between kids and adults is mm. in terms of emotional maturity very frequently because yes. um, adults uh, mishandle their stressors yep. 
in the same exact ways. Yes. Yeah. I do in the same way that I would have as a kid. Or, I mean, or, or in different ways, but like it's just part of being a human who's alive is like grappling with change and things that are difficult and the baggage that we carry. Yeah. And kids have it and adults have it. And mm-hmm. there aren't that many wise people walking around. Here. Well, and I'm sure the wise people have their own stuff. <laughs> Everyone has their own stuff. <laughs> Somehow they're but self-aware. Speaking of the the stressors, that's actually my next point, which is Stressful. about the overwhelming amount of work mm. that the students have over the Easter holiday. And they're like all stressed. I mean, this whole like leading up to the Quidditch match, no wonder everyone is just like beating each other. You know, we've said this a lot of like (laughs) J.K. Rowling has a sort of timeliness. Like it's somehow like the themes of the book are timely. But it's just because these are these are at least for our lifespans relevant constantly. They haven't been resolved. The issues of like anxious school children and yeah, and. But, okay, so this thing about the – my question in my notes is, are the students overworked because the adults are pushing off their stress and, like, Mm -hmm. trying to compensate or deal – cope or avoid coping with the stress of Sirius Black coming in and whatever? Mm -hmm. And I made a connection to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But that right there is an example of what I was talking about before with sense-making is that – it is, I'm reading this book in 2021, and I've had a whole year of working in a pandemic setting uh, <laughs> and all of this. And so the, this connection I'm making exists because I'm trying to make sense of it. So yeah. it's kind of like this, oh, Understood. like. But, well, it helps you process it, mm-hmm. right? Seeing yourself reflected in fiction is often cathartic in I'm that talking way. about the prophecy discussion, oh, though, okay. of like being like, oh, well, you're saying these broad things or you're trying. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be vague or broad for people to make connections where it, that wasn't the intention or that wasn't like the, the mm, point, see. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's just because people make sense of things <clears throat> through whatever lenses and context that we're processing. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think that because we, <laughs> you know, I could totally see the adults being like, all right, everyone keep working. Like, we have a murderer trying to come into Hogwarts. Don't worry. Just yeah, give them this. an extra essay so that they don't wander <laughs> off at night. You know, that type of that, that logic, right? Yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, that yeah. is so, it's so real. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's what we're experiencing. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Give them more. Yeah. Things just got a lot harder for the world. Give them, give them more to do. Yes. These kids like are missing their Unique. high school years and but yeah. we should give them extra work. Yeah, for sure. So Hermione is very stressed out, obviously. Uh, there is a throwback that I, I put mm. in my notes to chapter 14 of Chamber of Secrets because a year ago, last Easter, our friends who were in the second year were making choices for the third year. What classes are they going to take? And so there's this whole discussion. Hermione is stressed back then too. Uh, where she said, it could affect our whole future. She says that to Harry and Ron. Um, and she's like looking over all the list and whatever. And Harry you know, and Ron are just so casual about it. Me, it could affect the whole future is exactly the flavor of vague prediction that also annoys me, right? Because it spe- doesn't speak in any way to the uh, magnitude in which it will affect their future, mm-hmm. the classes that they pick. Like, of course, you, like we we hear that stuff in education so much, 
Of course it affects the future, <laughs> but it, it might be infinitesimally small of an effect, but like, mm -hmm. well, it still affects it. Like it's different than them not taking these classes. It's like, yeah, of course it's different. Yeah. That's a different life. But yep. the point is like, it might not be influential. <laughs> the I message of the episode is stop saying vague <laughs> things. Well, because in this context, Hermione is, is she, well, I guess the difference between Hermione and Trelawney in this sense is that Hermione is not going around like preaching to people, but still it's the it's yes, the she idea is. no she's not oh, like in, in book two though she's not she's not being Take like this seriously you know well actually mm -hmm. no you're probably right because i could see hermione being like see i told you so yeah. you know oh ron you same. didn't take uh yeah. arithmancy like look yeah. how behind you are yep 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 which of course or is Rose. like <laughs> these are the things that kids say that are I mean, whether you want to think of it as a recirculation, it's just it's just a thing that people say. Mm. And so because uh, later on, Percy decides mm -hmm. to go tell Harry all about his wisdom about, about mm -hmm. life, I guess. Percy <laughs> in the muggle world would be telling a, a 13 year old to open a savings account. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Well, because Percy's literal. Never too early. Yeah, his literal line is it's never too early to think about the future. Yeah. So I'd yeah. recommend divination. You know, Percy, actually, it is sometimes oh too early God. to think too far into the future. It, he, in that paragraph, he also kind of like uh, it speaks to what we can see play out in this book of. Um, well, actually, I don't know if we see it too much. Of So a muggle studies is seen as like, mm. a, I don't know how he says it, sort of like a Irrelevancy. soft career right. or something like it. Yeah. And he's like, but I think it's important. So there's, of mm -hmm. course, hierarchies that exist. Mm -hmm. in, well, we know this, but in the wizarding world with That's subjects. Percy. Huh? Percy says that? Yeah, Percy says something. Interesting relationship to his father. Yeah, because right. he was like, well, my dad uses it. Hey, blah, Lucius blah, 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 and kids and their fathers yeah oh my gosh kids and their fathers there's so much going on I'm, I'm in a i'm in like a whirlwind mindset right now where i'm just like well it doesn't help that i'm like this connects directly to book two. yeah no I'm it's like, blah, blah, blah. but it's a great i think i just popped the mic but oh, it's good, great though to have that connection because it's it is so real even if mm -hmm. we're drawing the connection like yeah yeah this kind of <laughs> vacuous advice giving is uh-huh so, oh, uh -huh. and hermione in book two in this chapter Took nobody's advice, but signed up for everything. <laughs> Took nobody's advice. Yeah, she's just like, I gotta do it all, because this is this yeah. is her mind. And not okay. So here's my thing. We'll talk about this later when we find out more about what's really going on with Hermione. But like, and the fact that people are like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Who's looking out for her? Yeah. <laughs> Who is looking out for Hermione? Yeah. Oh hey, my god, Hermione. Maybe you don't need to take these classes. I, uh... Now, now I'm getting angry about it. Being like, I'm also angry. <laughs> <laughs> Who was looking out for this I wasn't girl? that angry. I, I guess I was angry about other stuff in yeah, the yeah, uh, broken yeah, episode. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm angry for like people who allowed Hermione to sign up for all the classes yeah. without caring for her whole well-being. Yep. Jesus. Oh, here, here's here's a drug. <laughs> we'll give you. Yeah. Oh no. Okay, it's a more. time turner. You can stay it's awake for 24 not, hours. Yeah, Don't it's worry. It's definitely not. Uh, uh, and. I mean, she seems to be like deteriorating over time. Like people should of see this. She is. And be, what you're just brushing it off of, like, oh, it's just Hermione. And, and <laughs> they insist that she keep it secret. Oh my god! So she oh has that god. extra baggage of like, oh, I can't even tell my, my closest god. friends <laughs> how, why I'm randomly disappeared. <laughs> this whole show is just like anti <laughs> the adults at it's Hogwarts. It's good that we're re-recording this because I feel like our energy is totally different <laughs> and it's different. cracking me up. <laughs> 
in part because we're like specifically oh, trying God. to avoid deja vu, I think, of like saying the exact same thing. So it's like, let me take a different spin. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, now we're at the Quidditch match. Yeah. yeah <laughs> we're yeah, at yeah. the end of the chapter. So all of the houses, except for Slytherin, are rooting for Gryffindor, mm. which is really funny yeah. to me. Um, I made this connection to Chamber of Secrets, just asking, what do they know? Probably nothing. I don't know if they know that Ginny opened it or mm -hmm. if it, they must, they heard the myth, according to Ben's, about Salazar Slytherin and whatever. Uh, Slytherin already has a reputation. I, I don't know. Mm. I, I would imagine that... Well, I don't know, because I can't imagine the teachers at Hogwarts being like, all right, students, let's have a debriefing and talk about this serious uh, issue that is plaguing our wizarding world where we have pureblood supremacy. No, like, of course, I don't it's see just that like regular yeah. school. <laughs> it's just like, no, go oh, on to the next Oh, some tragedy class. happened in yeah. class? Like, right. let's talk about triangles. Let's talk about triangles. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and let's all of the fouls are, like, all of the everything is it's coming out. It's my most favorite um, scene so far involving Quidditch. Mm. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's like, it really makes me feel of like somebody who's played team sports as have you like living it in and like there's a little more detail and a little bit more tactic and yeah. like it's kind of interesting and it seems more intense and there's a champion. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. You did it, Harry. Harry Potter. You did it. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Thank God for the firebolt. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, my Nimbus God. in here. Who would have lost? Yeah. Well, McGonagall... Now I'm thinking about McGonagall confiscating it, and she probably, even though she wanted to like look at it, she probably was like, "Please don't let there be anything wrong with this." Like, <laughs> yeah, we've talked a little bit about like the. There's a hole in a lot of people have spoken about this. Like, there's a hole in the rules of Quidditch, which is like catching this snitch, mm. and so we actually, at some point, I think J.K. Rowling probably grappled with the hole and was like, I'm going to write, I'm going to write this into the book. So she does in book four where it's like, you can catch the stitch to end the game, even though you're going to lose. Like, why would you ever do such a thing? Yeah. That's because you like have come to grips that like, you're not going to catch up, but it's an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of like, what would it, what would be like an equi just off the top of my head, like an equivalent thing about like a uh, muggle sport. If you created something like this and I was thinking about basketball and it'd be like, if at the end of the game, uh, the side that's losing gets to take one half court shot free free and if they make it they win right. so it's like i mean that's not oh even that good God. because it, because it's random that's but funny. like yeah it's it's like that right it's very peculiar yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yep anyway <laughs> good stuff well yeah that's that's all I'm i don't want to talk about I'm this satisfied. Chapter. yeah let's <laughs> <laughs> only because we had to record this twice <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Until next time. One's ready. ready.